You're listening to The Kin Podcast, episode 23. This episode is a special one because it's an interview episode, somebody that I truly admire and I'm really excited to talk to. Her name is Shannon Evans, a spiritual writer exploring the connection between our relationships with God and the world. And she just put out an awesome new book called Embracing Weakness, which I'm excited to ask her about. Now, I first came upon Shannon's work on Instagram because I follow lots of spiritual accounts and I was blown away by her writing. It's the kind of writing that I share with so many of my friends. Like I've even like physically passed the phone to somebody and been like, read this. Like every single caption of hers is mind-blowing, truly captivating. Every time I'm left with something else to think about, something that changes you know, how I feel about my faith, something that always rocks my world a little bit. So I'm super pumped to talk to Shannon. And we talk about her family. She's a mother of five with one on the way. We talk about her new book, Embracing Weakness. We talk about how motherhood changed her faith. Mine as well. So you've heard me talk about that. So I'm really pumped to talk to Shannon about that piece specifically. We talk about, you know, what is it really like to write a book? And what are the spiritual habits that she keeps up with every day that keep her grounded in her faith? It's a lot. It's a lot of awesomeness, not going to lie. And I am really excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, what do you say? Let's do this. You're listening to The Kin Show, where we explore the intricacies of the human heart, faith, relationships, spirituality, parenthood, and more, celebrating our journeys as seekers. We believe in love, in giving more of it to every person we interact with and to ourselves. We believe in living with intention for our children, for our communities, and most importantly, for ourselves. We believe we are all one family, one kin, kindred spirits loved unconditionally by God. And we believe it's more important to actually know God than to just know about God. Seeker, writer, photographer, your host Marcella Chamorro shares perhaps way too many personal stories and asks you the right questions to help you uncover what's best for your life. This is not our practice life, so let's make the most of it. Are you ready to hear inspiring interviews and coffee table chats with Marcella? Grab a cup of coffee and prepare to transform your definition of your dream life. Here's your host, boy band lover and master of deep conversations, Marcella Chamorro. Welcome to the Kin Podcast, Shannon. Thanks so much for being here with us. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Marcella. You know, I've been a huge fan of your writing for a while now, and it's, it's interesting because it's a type of writing that I share with friends. Like, I'm reading your Instagram captions, and then I'm like, share posts, share posts, share posts, and I'm like, distribute Aww. them to my peeps, like to, to my friends who are like believers or who might be struggling with something or who whatever you wrote, like reminded me uh, while I was reading it. And I remember once even like I just passed the phone physically to my mom and I was like just read this <laughs> and, oh so and she loved it um I'll tell you a little bit about that specific post later but um <laughs> but first before I dive into your writing and and all that can you know for everybody who maybe hasn't hasn't come into you know contact with your work before can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about yourself and your family yeah so my family um consists of my husband and I have been married for 12 years 
And then we have four little boys. So the oldest um, we adopted at about a year old, and he is now nine. And then the second is five and a half. And then we have a three-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. And then we have a little surprise baby girl on the way who's due in August. So we're all really excited about that. The boys like don't even know what to do with a girl. (laughs) You're going to be a mom of five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's awesome. Congratulations. So How are you feeling yeah. about this? I feel a little scared because <laughs> it's already quite the zoo here. Um, I'm not like the mom who's super organized or like really on top of things. Like I have a total type B personality. Um, and so it works for us, but it does feel pretty chaotic. And especially cause the little ones are really little. Um, but you know, you just, you get used to the new normal with every kid that comes, then you just adjust again, you know? So I know there'll be an adjustment period and then we'll get back on our feet. So just kind of prepared for that. No, it's interesting that like every transition in, in life, right. But like also with kids, every transition is so jarring. Like there's so yeah. much fear, even though let's say you've been through it you know, right. four times already, but it's still, mm-hmm. you know, nerve wracking. Yeah. Cause we like, we like familiarity, right? We I like, know, like with kids, it's like logistics is everything, you know, yeah. with kids. It's like, if you have your logistics figured out, everything feels so much calmer and right. yeah. So I feel you and, and kids are a ton of work. So there's something yeah. in, you know, there's a lot in your writing about kids, about the work of kids. Um, I wanted mm-hmm. to share with you that post that I was, um, referring to the one that like, I was like, here, mom, just read this. So (laughs) to give you some, some backstory, um, today's actually the one month anniversary of my grandmother passing away. And so she, we were in the hospital with her for a couple of weeks before she passed. And, um, I had been talking to my mom about how, like, it was always, um, my aunts and my cousins who are female, who, you know, were at the hospital all day. And not to say like everybody else wouldn't visit, but like, it's like we were keeping watch, you know, right. yeah. um, the women of the family. And then you posted this about changing your son's diaper and mm-hmm. how, you know, it was about Easter. So if you don't mind, can I just read it? Uh, yeah, weird? go for it. No, not okay. at all. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I, I literally handed it to my mom. I was like, you see? You, this is in all the things we've been talking about, but a hundred times better written and better said and more beautiful. Um, so let me just share it real quick. In, in it, you say, as I changed his diaper, careful to get the feces from the cracks of his generous upper thighs, which I love. I thought this was what the women were doing on Easter morning, not changing diapers, but changing burial cl- clothes, not wielding rash cream, but spices and ointments for a decaying body. They were doing the work that has long been taken up by women, the dirty work, the earthy work, the human work, the work the men were too busy and too important to do. Historically, women have known the sacredness of the physical, whether or not we are able to articulate it. We're the ones who push eternal beings into the realm of time and space. Yes, we are the ones who tend to the bodies of those passing back to the other side. And every day in between, women care for the sanctity of earthly existence in all her forms and phases. A risen Christ could not have appeared first to anyone else. We are the gatekeepers of life and death. What a thing it is to be woman. Like, Mm -hmm. 
bow down. That was amazing. That was <laughs> such a good capture. Like that is that writing is so beautiful. So first of oh, all, thank you. I I really feel like the Holy Spirit was on that because like I go back and read it and I'm and I like to get new things from it. You know, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. how did I do that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. So I, I just feel like, you know, there's so much to be learned in faith from, for me at least, from having kids. You know, was that something that you experienced as well, that having children, going through the whole experience of, you know, adopting and then um, birth and all this stuff, all the stuff yeah. that happens. Was that something that changed um, or affected your faith as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would say hands down that has been motherhood has been the most transformative thing in my faith life. Like I, I was raised Christian. My, my, my family's Protestant. Um, and so I was raised devout. My, my dad is, was a pastor when I was a kid and is a theologian taught at a university for a while. So it was always like a very, um, core part of our family life. Um, but I didn't really become personal to me until college. And, and that was like, I, it was kind of the classic story of, you know, hitting the breaking point of like the party lifestyle and the, the destructive boyfriend relationships and all of that, you know, that is not a new story, but then that's where I found Jesus. Um, and so that was, that was, you know, completely rocked my world, but then becoming a mother, <laughs> it just, it just was a whole new level. Um, and and yeah, with adoption being the first, the way that I entered into motherhood. And and I feel like you've met one adoptive family and you've met one adoptive family, <laughs> you know, like there is no um, blanket statement that I could make about mm. adoption or people's experience of adoption. But, but for us, the, the trauma that our son experienced as a baby really formed, um, his behavior for a long time, his, his development levels. Um, yeah, it, it really affected him in a serious way. And so therefore it really affected our family in a serious way as we tried to learn how to be parents in these kind of, um, extraordinary circumstances. And so it was, um, it was really, I can't even say humbling. <laughs> it was crushing to, to kind of be confronted with my own, uh, sin really of like, I'd always kind of thought I was a good person. And then suddenly I'm like, when, when you're tested kind of 24 seven, like you are in parenthood, um, you suddenly are really confronted with, oh gosh, I have anger issues. I am I am not the patient, loving, kind, merciful person that I thought, like I have a lot of junk that I need to work through. And so it, it definitely showed me my need for God in a whole new way, but it also allowed me to encounter Jesus in a whole new way with, in, in his passion with, with my son's suffering and my own suffering, um, as a result. And I don't know, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> But, and I am, but, um, but yeah, the answer to your question would, I would say there's been nothing in my life that has been as transformative as parenting for sure. No, it's interesting because like our bodies and a large part of our lives can feel kind of like hijacked, you know, but it's yeah. at first it's really jarring, but then it's interesting to kind of, 
and I understand what you mean about it being um, so, it can be really aggravating. Like there are days where it's just, like you said, crushing. And there are days where, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, exhausted, like collapse into bed and I'm asleep by eight because <laughs> I, yeah. I tell myself I'm very vanilla. Like, you know, I'm very vanilla at this point in my life. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I go to sleep by 8 p.m. and it's amazing. I'm a big fan <laughs> of my lifestyle. Um, because it's interesting to feel like, some kind of joy in that type of sacrifice, even when it's really hard, you know, like yeah. Yeah. For me, it was really interesting to understand God in that way of that's what you meant, you know, like, mm -hmm. so that's, I didn't understand that joy could come through sacrifice that I was like, that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. And now there's a joy in being exhausted or like being like spent in service of others. Mm -hmm. And there are days where like, you don't feel it, you know, you know, you don't, you don't see it like this just sucks. Like I just want to go have a coffee by myself or go right. to a grocery store by myself. Um, and, and, or, you know, have a date with my husband yeah. and not worry right. about the next day because people are like, you get a babysitter. I'm like, what about the next morning when they wake up at five 30 or six <laughs> and you got yeah. home at 11, you're like, that's horrible. Um, so I, you know, it's just logistics or everything. But, you know, that was a, that was one of the big surprises that came to me through parenting, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, I don't know, it's being, becoming a mother is so transforming. Like you said, it changes you so much now that you're on, you know, the fifth, <laughs> um, how has that changed Yeah, from, you know, the experience with number uno to number cinco, yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. my mom says like by, by child three, they're falling asleep on the couch by themselves. And you're like, Oh, it's nap time, I guess. Um, yesterday actually, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah. You know, I really love what you said about that. I think, I think you really articulated that beautifully of that feeling of it being, hard work, but like knowing that you're doing good, hard work, you know, that you are expending yourself on behalf of another and that it matters, you know, that it's going to, um, shape the person that they become and it shapes how they are going to interact with the world. And, um, yeah, it's such a, it is such an honor. And I do love the days when I can see that clearly, you know, it, like you said, I'm not going to lie and say every day feels that rewarding, but, but, but there are those moments of clarity where we can see it for what it is. And it's, there's just nothing like it. There's no feeling like that. Um, okay. <laughs> remind me of what you asked. <laughs> Was it like for, with number five, you know, no. preparing for number five and, and right. you know, I think that the faith, at least for me, right. I can only speak for myself. Like my faith journey was really rocked with the first one. You know, yeah. I experienced yeah. all that for the first time. Um, yes. and adding in a human to, to our family with every, you know, we have two, um, it's different in that, you know, let's say the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Um, I already, let's say, um, kind of chewed on that. Like I'm, I, I now understand yeah, that this, there's right. joy in sacrifice and maybe I'm learning something else with the second mm -hmm. one, or I'm experiencing something different having to, um, where are you at with four currently and one on the way, which yeah. also is not easy <laughs> to yeah. have four and then a belly, you know? Right. So. Yeah. It's not physically easy at all. Um, women are no, super women. Yes. I am definitely in what just even the past two years since I've had 
Um, my last baby, I feel kind of like I've stepped into a different place in life of, of saying like, okay, I have this large family and I have been expending myself and I'm happy to do so. But now I kind of feel this nudging towards like, it's time to know who I am again, apart from being a mother. And I love being a mother and I, I plan to still stay home with, um, my baby after she's born. And so I'm not, I'm not like resisting that at all. Not that anyone who returns to work is, I mean, absolutely. I, I totally support, and I have friends who do all kinds of different things, but, but just as, as far as like my heart goes, I'm not saying like pushing my children away, <laughs> um, in search of myself, but like how I'm, I'm interested in how to hold both without letting one go, you know, how do I explore, um, the, what the gifts that I have to give to the world that are apart from motherhood without abandoning motherhood, you know, as part of my identity and as part of my vocation. Um, but so, yeah, that's where I am. And it's been a really, it's been a really cool journey of, making time to write more. And so finding ways to earn a little money through writing so that I can pay for childcare so that I can feel like I have this balanced life of being a whole person as an individual woman, but also as a devoted mother. Um, and so it's been, there's, it has not been without its frustration or without its, um, you know, I think a common, a common, um, experience that women have is if, if we're working a lot, then we feel guilty that we're not with our children. But if we're with our children full time, then sometimes we wish we were working. (laughs) You know, a lot of times women have that experience of feeling like, ah, there is no perfect answer. And I think there's probably not, you know, um, because there are so many facets of who we are and what our life is. And it's kind of always seeking this balance, but, but yeah, as I moved towards, I think when I had my, my, my first two were really little. Um, I was really eager to just devote myself entirely to the, to them. And it was really, yes. And it was really right in that season. Um, but then like, as the years of motherhood have gone on, I kind of am noticing this desire in me to, to kind of cultivate my life independent from them as well. And I think both things are good. We just have to be sensitive to what's right in the season that we're in. That's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very similar experience with my first, um, Mm -hmm. and for different reasons, uh, I, by the time Nicolas was born, which is my second one, they have very Latin names, Juan Jose. And after his dad, his dad, we call him JJ and he, but he's, he's four and a half little guy. And he's, um, he re- refuses to be called anything but Juan Jose. Like oh. I had somebody who, yeah, it's tangent, but a friend of mine, we ran into him at the mall or something. He's like, you're a handsome fella. And he's like, I'm not a fella. I'm Juan Jose. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and then there's Nicolas, right? So, uh, yeah, they're interesting little people, but with Juan Jose, I was very, very attached um, mm-hmm. to being around all the time. And the mommy guilt was strong. Yeah. The, mo- that, yeah. the mommy guilt game was on point uh, with the right. first one. And with Nicolas, I felt that 
God was calling me to use my gifts, the gifts that he gave me mm-hmm. uh, for his glory in some way. And it, you know, it takes, it takes some puttering around and figuring it out and what, what, yeah. what am I supposed to do with the gifts? And um, because I'm the type of person that I don't have like one expertise. I'm <laughs> kind of a, like a Swiss army knife. You know, I can do a little Photoshop, <laughs> a little garage band. I can do a little, I can make websites. Used to have a web design agency. I can do a lot of different things. Email marketing, like just, I can go on forever. There's all these little things and I'm like, but yeah. how, what are these gifts that I'm, how am I supposed to use them? And right. I ended up on this podcast, right? But, um, but I felt much more called by God and stronger, probably, you know, because he allowed that, right? He gave mm-hmm. me that strength to kind of step away and give myself that space how to like create, you know, for, yes. for his glory. How do you make it work? Like logistically, <laughs> how does logistically. that work? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I take on, often take on writing things that are not like precisely the thing that I would want to write about to make money, you know? And I feel like there, if I, if I'm going to write about things that I am passionate about, then I need childcare time to do that. And I do also write like at nap time, I write at night. Um, but, but, you know, you need those chunks and mornings are really the best. And so I've had, like my two older ones have been in school and then my little ones I've had, I have a friend who has like a little daycare in her home that one of them goes to a couple mornings a week, and you know, just kind of piecemealing, having a babysitter over for the, for the baby. Or I used to write during his morning nap when he was the only one home. And honestly, just like finding the cracks during the day, but also like really committing to my husband and I really talked about it kind of when, when we hit this turning point a few years ago where I realized I really needed some more, um, autonomy in my life to kind of, uh, follow my own giftings. And so we talked about it and we were, and I was like, okay, for, for about a year and a half, I wrote for a website that was like, CEO stuff. I mean, SEO, CEO, SEO, just like search engine stuff that was not that interesting to me, but it, mm-hmm. but it supported a little bit of part-time childcare so that then I could also use that time to write things that I was passionate about, to write my book that, that just came out and things like that. So it's definitely there. Most of it has been in the cracks and crevices and the book, like I just mentioned the book that I wrote, I literally wrote probably three fourths of that thing with my newborn, like nursing or napping right beside me in bed. (laughs) It was like, not this glamorous, like mahogany desk situation at all. Yeah. Have have you ever before, cause I want to talk about your book, but I want to ask you, have you ever read this book? One beautiful dream. Yes. I loved that book. I wish, and it's about um, a mother who, you know, she's, I think in the book, she's on her fifth, but I know in real life, she now has six in real life. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't about her real life. It's a memoir. <laughs> it was about her real life. Um, yeah, yeah. And she talks about how she wrote various books um, while caring for her kids. And she also felt the need for that autonomy and whatever. So she yeah. goes through this process. I'm like, I wish I had read this book two, three years ago mm-hmm. because it maybe would have helped me give myself the permission you know, um, it's not like nobody else is giving you the permission. It's ourselves that right. um, sometimes 
hold ourselves back. Um, yeah, okay. that book really resonated with me. I saw myself reflected back a lot. It was really affirming to me. And I think you're right. I think it was, um, I had sort of already made that decision, but it felt like really affirming of my decision to give myself permission. Absolutely. Right. I'm not alone. You know, that's the same yeah. thing I felt. I recently read it. Um, and I had read another book by her, something other than God, I think it's called. And mm-hmm like four or five years ago. And I just read this one recently. And now like, you know, I had already started the podcast and giving myself the time. But yeah. like you said, you feel like, all right, I'm not the only one who went through that. But yeah. I will say that that book sounded exhausting. Just like I can't <laughs> imagine writing your book with a newborn. Like, tell me about this book because, <laughs> and before you do, you know, congratulations on the book. Um, it's called Thank Embracing you. Weakness. And so I said, like, I ordered the book, but because I live in Nicaragua, yeah. it's still on the way, which lesson learned ebook next time, <laughs> which a lot of the time I do. But a lot of the times when I read books that are like spiritual books, those are the ones I want to have. I to know. Like, I, to refer I, to. I don't like reading on screens. I just don't yeah. like it. But yeah. But I'm really excited to dig into your book because it's about a super cringeworthy topic because (laughs) there is something about cringeworthy topics that I love these days. Like, especially when it comes to my faith, like all the good growth comes from the stuff that makes you go like, do I really want to go in here? Like, I really want to dive into this. And this book is about weakness. You know, it's called Embracing Weakness. And you know, just six or seven years ago, I would have run for the hills. I mean, like, you know, I was all gung ho about like achieving and being successful and strong, which I think so many people still live in that mind space. Right. But now I'm like, I see this, like, I really see the value in this. So I'm curious, what drew you to weakness? Like what, what about weakness? um, Did you feel like I want to write a book about this? Yeah. Well, it's, I have kind of always been the person who thinks they're going to change the world and wants to change the world. And it, to me, that meant, um, doing things that were really impressive and, and, and very, um, impactful in a way that was visible, tangible. You know, I mean, I, I felt, um, really passionate about, I mean, I, and I still do about a lot of justice issues and, um, just humanizing one another and, you know, honoring each other's dignity and just all of these things that, that contribute to a lot of injustice in the world. And I really, um, have always wanted to fight that. And I, when my husband and I were first married, we lived as missionaries in Indonesia, uh, for two years. And so the book kind of opens with us going there and, um, and my big dreams of how I was going to impact Southeast Asia. And, um, yeah, I just, was really most of my experience as a missionary was being confronted with my own smallness and my own weakness. And, um, the fact that, yeah, I, I am not the savior of the world turns out, and I'm not actually going to, um, probably ever feel like I am making that big of an impact, but that doesn't mean that we're not, you know? Um, and so I explore kind of that, that, feeling of disillusionment and brokenness and, and really feeling disappointed in myself. Um, but then at the same time, feeling uncomfortable with the way that I was trying to engage with the world of kind of coming at it, coming at people with like from a place of power and a place of having all the answers and being the one who has so much to offer. And I think a lot of times our, our attempts at 
ministry and service or the works of mercy are, are kind of misguided in that way because we're seeing ourselves as sort of um, the ones who have something to give when the reality is every human has something to offer one another. And there are things um, that people who are living in poverty have to offer me that I was kind of ignoring or just, just blind to, not willfully ignoring, but, but not seeing at all. And so the experience of adopting my son, and like I said, just hitting this wall of my own sin and my own brokenness, um, but not just sin, but, but my weakness, like my inability to create change, my inability to, to always behave the way that I believe is right, you know, um, to always make the best choice to just, just really facing my own, um, the reality of who I really was rather than this, this dream or idealized version. Um, I think it's easy to see ourselves as the good guys when life is kind of on cruise control. But then when we, when we really encounter suffering or we really encounter something that's truly difficult in our lives, then we realize, oh, we're, we're actually not the person that we always thought that we were. And that's, that's a really good and healthy thing (laughs) because that means that we can then see others with more compassion and we can see ourselves in the experience and the lives of others rather than feeling really distanced from them. So motherhood was a great gift for me in that way. And, and as I said, in the beginning, um, meeting Jesus in his humanity rather than like, I knew that he was fully God and fully human, but meeting him as a person who experienced, who experienced the world as I do and who gave up the glory of like the heavenly realm to come be earth with us. Um, that was just a, a, he, like his model of how he embraced weakness was really, um, created an intimacy with him than that I had longed for for a long time and hadn't felt. So I really encountered him that way. And then, um, in the passion of his suffering and, um, learning to relate to his blessed mother in his suffering, both. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm just like going off on a tangent. I mean, the book is, I mean, you wrote a whole book about it, so there's like a lot to say. (laughs) So don't worry. Yeah. So I think I, I, to answer your question in a very roundabout way, um, the reason I wrote the book was because it, in learning to embrace my weakness and learning that that would actually change the world. If we all can do that, that has really marked my life. And so it was kind of like, if I'm going to write I would like to write more books, but certainly if I'm going to write a first book, I can't think of anything else that I know as well as this experience of, of being humbled and learned to embrace my own weakness and not just accepting the humility of it, but, but seeing how it has really transformed the way that I um, live in this world and my relationships with, with other people, both in my own home and out in the world, like in, um, whether that's, you know, engaging social issues or with my literal next door neighbor, it's changed everything for me. So I had to write about it. Yeah. And I, I find that in 
the hardest of times is when, you know, when I feel the worst, when I'm the weakest is when, you know, I draw closest to God. Um, It's so easy to feel so much pride and badassery when things are going good and when things, when you realize your own weakness, you know, it's when... Sadly, right? Like the, the whole journey is to not do this and to draw close to God all the time. But, you know, that I think that's just part of how we're programmed. Um, and we can deprogram, right? But um, mm-hmm. program to, you know, lean on God when things are, are hard. You know, my, my last year, September of last year, my niece was born with spina bifida. And um, she, my brother's wife was lucky enough to have fetal surgery at 24 weeks, which is mind blowing, mind blowing. And, you know, she's doing great. Uh, Her name is Eva and she's doing wonderful. Um, But it was such an interesting experience for me to see my brother's transformation. Mm. And and I'm definitely never going to say like, there's a, you know, there's a reason God does everything. I'm, I'm, I don't understand. Yeah. But there are ways that he works in horrible situations for the betterment of our souls. Right. And so throughout that experience to see not only my brother, but especially my brother, um, Mm. everybody around to transform in, you know, to become not, I wouldn't say a different person, but there's this quote by CS Lewis, which I think sums it up. And as we keep chatting, I'll look for it. I think I read it in, you know, that book, my life with the saints um life of the saints is a good book it is it's one of those books that one of my friends gave to me it's so interesting how like god meets you where you are you know and he met me in books 100 percent. and so that's part of the reason why i'm so excited to read your book because that's like my thing that's where i i do oh i love best learning you know yeah but anyways so just how god was able to kind of dust off the the sin and the judgment and the yeah. temper and all these things that I think had been part of, you know, different people that were around the situation, different people's personalities and how it just kind of fell away and, right. you know, gained so much perspective. And in, in, in what happened was weakness, you know, and, and complete impotence in, in terms of changing yeah. the situation. And um, it was just beautiful, beautiful to see. So I'm really yeah. excited to dig into the book. Uh, is there I have a question about writing? Because writing is, is, has always been a huge interest to me. What is a, a common myth about writing a book that you could debunk for us? <laughs> Other than no mahogany desk and it's written in weird places and in <laughs> odd moments. Yeah. Well, you know, I think... I guess I, I had this feeling that, right. I mean, writing a book is certainly an accomplishment, but I guess it has this aura of like changing your life, you know, like now you're a published author and, um, I don't know, I guess I felt like it was like when it published, it was going to really change my life and it hasn't. Like I made it. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I think I'm really grateful for that. Cause I don't, I don't know how I would have handled that, but, and I mean, certainly there are people with like wild success stories or whatever, but I think it's just sort of, Oh, okay. This is something I did. This is a work that I'm proud of. And now I'm ready to go to the next one, you know, to, to work on something else. Um, I think it felt like this, I thought it was going to be kind of this, uh, 
not certainly not that it would make me famous or anything, but like this wave that I would ride for a long time. But honestly, by the time it came out, I was kind of like, like already, already more interested in what I was going to write next, which I still don't know, but like thinking of ideas for it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I have to, I I have have to to promote this. Yeah. (laughs) I have to market this book. I have to promote it. Yeah. Which I'm happy to do. I'm proud of, but it was like, my mind was already going other places, you know, I found the quote. (laughs) Oh, good. What is it? Um, Okay. So it talks about how God shows much more of himself to some people than to others, not because he has favorites, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, cannot be reflected in a dusty mirror as clearly as in a clean one. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. That's such a C.S. Lewis. I know, right? Like seriously, that's like a way to like clarify things so simply. Same. That's beautiful. Same. So I just feel like when through weakness, it's almost like you're getting some dust cleaned off. You know? Yeah. Um, right. Because you're on your knees. <laughs> because. Um, completely, there is no pride in that. You're just hands in the air saying, give me a hand here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the judgment kind of falls away because there's no longer anything to judge, (laughs) you know, it's, you, you feel so desperate for God and suddenly it's just like, oh, we're all just desperate for God, you know, um, in different ways. And yeah, it's, it's, it, like you said, I mean, I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, your niece suffered so that, you know, your brother would change. <laughs> I yeah, would no. never, you know, but like you said, there is this beautiful mystery of the fact that we do change the most, you know, we are most transformed through, through hard times. And so it's hard. It's difficult to say like, this is bad or this is good because it, it's there's grace in and all of it, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's especially hard. I worked here at um, I've done it a few times actually in different times of my life. Worked at um, one of the biggest nonprofit organizations in Nicaragua, and it's one of the biggest nonprofit organizations if you in the U.S. as well. It's like on Chronicle Philanthropies list and like all this stuff. It's oh, a beautiful wow. organization that does a lot of great work, and. Um, something you mentioned earlier, something that I experienced there, that it's, you know, people from all walks of life have something to teach me. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to keep working for them. You know, there's so much work to be done. Um, In in this nonprofit, specifically, there's like six areas of intervention, education, health, water and sanitation, economic development, like they do beautiful things here in Nicaragua, beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, I will always keep trying to do my part, but at the same time, it's also my job to have my own soul kind of pick up the, what, what they can teach me, you know, and, yeah. and um, one of my friends who runs the nonprofit now, he's always so specific that he's like, we are not restoring dignity to anyone. Mm. They already, that's, that's inherent. God made them with just as much love, everyone, you know, um, right. as he did you, we're just trying to, you know, help with basic needs, uh, right. and kind of level the playing field a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a hard, hard line to walk. You'll always 
feel like you're, you're messing up in some way or another, but yeah, um, doesn't mean you stop, you stop trying, you, you keep working, but yeah, anyway. exactly. Exactly. Like the, the, the physical needs or the basic needs are real, you know, but yes. it's the posture of our heart, how we go into it, that, that can be, um, good or bad really. <laughs> so I'm curious about your, I, I call them like holy habits, your spiritual habits. And what oh. do you depend on to kind of keep your faith alive and bright on a, mm. on a daily basis? It's a good question. I, um, I've in the really only in the past year have discovered how like physical my spirituality is. And so just taking time, um, to, to even like, for example, to sit in nature and like, like, I think for most of my life, I thought that prayer was like, you sit like in a chair in your corner with your Bible and like, (laughs) you like say specific words or, you know, you maybe for me, like I'm a writer. So like I write my prayers down in my journal or whatever. And just like realizing that I, that I have the freedom to sit and just be with God. And that's prayer. Like that's sort of rocking my world of like, Oh, and again, maybe it goes back to the lesson of like learning to embrace my weakness of like, it's not up to me to like make this list, you know, and, and not that lists are always bad or that there's not a place for them, but like just encountering God in creation has been really life-giving for me. And my husband and I just made like a little bitty room in our house. Like we, we divided up the playroom where our kids toys were and we made ourselves like a little prayer room and just put some pillows on the floor and hung some tapestries and put some plants in, but just to have another place to just go and escape and like breathe and reconnect with God. Um, the, those have been really transformative practices for me just to kind of still myself and like step away because I can sort of just get caught up in the to-do list of the day and just keep going and think, Oh, I don't have time to, to, to find a quiet corner and open my Bible and pray. And that's going to take an hour or, you know, half an hour or whatever, but even just five minutes of stopping and going to a place that feels centering, um, and reconnecting with God before I then step back into the busyness and the chaos or whatever. And also like you, I'm really a book person. Like I really feel God speak to me through the written words. And, um, so, so there's always like books that I'm devouring and I'm, I'm chewing on and stuff like that too. It's interesting. You said the word centering. Cause like I, about five years ago, I discovered centering prayer. And if you had told me, you know, a decade ago that I'd be, meditating, thinking about God and letting the Holy Spirit, I'd be consenting to the Holy Spirit to come and be with me in silence. I've been like, Uh what? (laughs) But um, it's like my thing now. It's the one thing that I enjoy the most um, in terms of spending time with God. Yeah. I saw that you had a podcast episode on that and I wanted to go back and listen to it. My husband actually is very disciplined with centering prayer and has been doing it for like two years now. And, um, that's like his way to con- like, that is it for him. He loves Have it. You notice a change in him? Oh, yes. 
<laughs> That's the best. Yeah. Like the, the level of like, cause he has always struggled with anxiety and like the change has been so visible. And then when he's not doing it, for, <laughs> when he stops doing it for tell. a few weeks, yes, we can both tell. It's so interesting. I love, I love, my, my I love that different people. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't actually attempted it myself because I think I would just fall asleep. Well, <laughs> but maybe not. Sometimes you do, and it's okay. It de- I mean, it depends if you're like laying down, right? But there's this beautiful book um, called Open Mind, Open Heart by, um, yeah, Father Thomas Keating. And he's he explains what it is. You know, the method of it, the reason for it and all this stuff. And he, it's kind of dense, but it's very short. And um, I loved it. I read like one chapter a day because I was like, Father Thomas Keating, this is like really intense. So (laughs) I'm going to take it slow. Right. And like I've told you, like I mentioned before we started recording, like this is not my background. Like the theology and and like technical terms is not my thing. So I took it slow, but it was a beautiful read and that it explained to me why. And it explained many different things. So you were talking earlier about um, how you kind of, you realized that, there was so much that you needed that you had, you, I don't remember if you said anger issues or, or something, but that, yeah. um, there was so much that you needed to face, um, in yourself. And right. so in the book, he has this quote that I love where he says something like, when you begin your journey, you will, the ego will try to come up again. And in two different ways, either you will feel pride in your, you know, centering prayer progress, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm so peaceful. I'm so spiritual. I'm like <laughs> the shit. Or the ego can come out in a negative way and you realize how crappy you are. Mm. And both of them are traps. Don't fall in them. Just let mm. the thoughts go. And so now I can see it in myself when I go either way. So I love the, I love reading. I love this book. And I'm um, like, okay, don't do it. Just just let it go. Um, and it explains how centering prayer is basically resting in God, you know, and, and I imagine it is like God giving me a hug mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, it always feels good. So I'm down for it. You know, when I think I don't have time, cause it's incredibly hard to do with young children around. It is. You know? Yeah. It's hard. And waking up before them is also really hard. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, my it's, husband it's has my like, thing. he often does it like at his office, like alone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds nice. I that sounds beautiful. Like, like, when he comes home at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to show up to school pickup a little bit early. And then I'm like, you know how weird people are going to think I am like parking <laughs> this car with my eyes closed. But then I'm like, if I just park in a corner and I don't know, there's a lot of logistics. I'm telling you, logistics sure. is everything. Thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was curious. What are you reading at the moment? What am I reading? I am reading. Well, I'm reading a novel, so that's not necessarily um, spiritually feeding. But oh, I'm no, reading. No, but but it, but it but it can be. It can be. It um, can be. I mean, I find like God and like Queen and Freddie Mercury. So <laughs> I love oh, Freddie Mercury. Music. I'm like music. God is everywhere. It's all good. Okay, so you're reading a novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm reading, slowly getting through Untie the Strong Woman. Have you read that? No, I've never heard of it. Ooh. Okay. It's really good. It's about, it's about the Blessed Mother, but it's so mystical. It's just unlike anything I've ever read. And, um, the author is a psychologist, I want to say, um, has her doctorate and, um, 
is is Mexican in heritage, and I just love like the lens that she brings to it. Shucks a lot about Our Lady of Guadalupe, who I love. Um, but yeah, it's just this really like. Um, I think I'm just in a place in my life where I'm really drawn to being mothered. And like, I just am feeling maybe cause I'm mothering so much. And I'm like, my mom is great. I don't know. But like, I just, there's a sense of like, Oh, like I need, I need this like feminine input in my life. So that's, that's really, um, meeting me where I'm at right now. I feel you. I, one of my, when I started really, delving deeper into this faith journey, which is when I was pregnant with my first child. Um, I, my godmother took me in a group, including my mom, to visit um, Cuapa, which is a rural town in the middle of Nicaragua. It's like a three-hour drive from where I live in the capital. And uh, we went to visit because in Cuapa, there's like an approved appearance. I, I don't know the technical terms here, again, mm-hmm. but the appearance of... Um, the Virgin Mary. So it's like La Virgen de Cuapa. So like La Virgen okay. de Guadalupe. And there, I cannot tell you why, but in this rural, tiny town, mountainous town, where there's like almost nothing, um, there was like this sense of peace as soon mm-hmm. as you arrive. Wow. And we were able to, because my godmother is like, she's, I don't know, she, she doesn't, I always say that she doesn't, um, have a job, but she works nonstop for everyone, uh, including people in the church and nonprofits. And I mean, there, she's everywhere in all things and all the time. And she knows she's very well connected because of all this work that she does. (laughs) And so she, you know, we have, we got a tour of the first place where the Virgin Mary appeared to Bernardo. And we were able to speak with somebody who knew Bernardo, who the Virgin Mary appeared to various times and all this stuff. And it was just amazing to me. So, and at that point I was pregnant for the first time and I really felt a connection with the Virgin Mary for the first time. Um, in, in terms of understanding the identity of mother and her feelings toward Jesus and, and I feel, yeah, it's, it's like a whole different connection. Um, at least for me, that's how, that's how my connection really strengthened. Um, I I love that. I'm going to go visit. (laughs) You should come visit. Nicaragua is an amazing place. Um, lots of, lots of different, yeah, lots of different things. I didn't know about La Virgen de Cuapa. There's, it's right here. It's three hours away. Um, so it's very cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Learn something new every day. But, um, okay. My last question for you, because I know we're, we're coming up on our time here. If you could step into my shoes and be interviewing Shannon, what <laughs> would you have asked yourself that I did not ask you? Oh, oh, dun, 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 dun. oh man. I don't know. You've done an awesome job. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe more about your book, more about what's next. I don't know. I mean, if what I had there? a good answer, then. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think asking what's next is a fair question, but I don't have a great answer for it. Well, that's cool too, though. I did. Being I, in the in-between. The, yeah, kind of just waiting and listening and noticing. Um, what does the discernment I, process like mm-hmm. feel like to you in terms of like let's say that next step? How does that how does that feel yeah. for you? That's that's a great question. I see. That's why you're you're a good interviewer. 
That's why you have Thank a podcast. You. Thank you. I'm really um, just making this up as I go. So, <laughs> well, you, it's obviously comes naturally. Um, yeah, I, I am trying to be more present and more, um, aware of like what's going on internally. Um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Type two wing three right here. (laughs) Okay. So I'm a nine. And so often I just sort of numb out and like, just, just, you know, it's the, the peacemaker one. So I kind of like, that's my husband as well. So is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I have an eight wing, so like I have a feisty side, but, but for the afraid of eights, (laughs) I'm a little afraid of the eights, (laughs) but so I have this kind of fatal tendency to just numb out everything in order to keep the peace and in in order, especially with such a busy family life, just sort of Um, I can get really out of touch with myself. And I think that's why it's been such a powerful spiritual discipline for me to kind of remove myself from chaos and sit quietly and like get back in touch with God through like my own physical experience, if that makes sense. And so all that to say, the discernment process for me, looks like really learning how to tune in to what's being stirred in my heart to where I'm feeling interested. I think right now on Instagram, you know, here and there, I've really explored like the relationship between our bodies and our, um, our faith, our spirituality, and like kind of this, you know, in Catholicism, there's a strong foundation of, um, an incarnational faith, which obviously all of Christianity is because it's based on God becoming a, a person. But like this idea that that in Catholicism, like we love like the the physical, tangible stuff, you know, the stuff that we can touch and taste and smell and you know, all of those things that are part of our rituals and um part of our lives of faith. But anyways, it's kind of a tangent. But so I'm interested in in that, that's kind of something that I'm, that I've been exploring and like our physical bodies and our physical surroundings and, and how that is kind of meant to be an experience of our faith. So I'm kind of following that. And I'm noticing, like I said, my, my being drawn to mother Mary kind of for not that, not that I, I, I have experienced that, like I said, with, um, as I was mothering my son in a really hard season, but since then, she hasn't really been a big part of my life, but just kind of noticing that drawing lately um, towards her as well. So those are kind of two areas that I'm interested in the possibility of exploring in the future with my writing. But yeah, that's kind of part of my process is I'm learning to wake up to what's actually going on inside rather than kind of coasting through the days unaware of myself. No, I feel you. And, and, and it must be hard because, you know, I, I do see your writing, you share it on Instagram. Um, and it's so tempting to spend a lot of time on this special yeah. app that has brought us together. And yet at the yeah. same time has the ability to distance us from others as well. But it's also mm-hmm. like, if you take, I don't know, um, you know, let's say you get 10 comments, um, on an Instagram post or whatever, it's really easy to think, you know, so-and-so has more or not a lot of people are reading, but like really if you get 10 people in a room 
and to tell you in person that they appreciated what you shared, you'd feel differently, you know? So I don't know. That's the physical, right? That you're talking about the physical. Mm -hmm. If you were to take the digital and try to imagine it as physical, it feels completely differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have to remind myself that too. When I get like weird about looking at numbers and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I would be thrilled if there were 10 people in the room to listen to me. That would be amazing. When one person tells me like, I listened to XYZ podcast episode and it helped me in ABC way. I'm like, thank you so much. It feels amazing. Um, that's Mm -hmm. like the one thing that I want to do is to help people in some way. Just that's my biggest hope. And so when people give you that encouragement, um, like sometimes I'll get like WhatsApp messages or like an email or whatever, and it it completely fills my heart. But then I'll get like a con- comment on Instagram; it doesn't have the same effect. I'm like, but but it should because right. somebody's taking the time. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. please do keep sharing your stuff on Instagram because <laughs> that's where I find it most often. Um, I follow your blog as well, but I feel yeah. like Instagram is more. I updated uh, a lot. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I kind more of constant. Yeah. The blog is kind of sorely, uh, <laughs> sorely abandoned lately, but yeah, it happens. Yeah. I used to have a blog for years and now it's just not there. So mm-hmm. I, I feel you, but, um, mm-hmm. thank you for being on the show. Um, it's been an awesome 55 minutes speaking with you <laughs> and I, and I, I'm very grateful You're for your time. I realize how mm-hmm. important time is to you. So I very much appreciate it. Oh, well, I really enjoyed getting to know you. I, I'm happy that we're now friends. Yes, I am. <laughs> like I said, I was very nervous going into this, but um, I definitely think that that you have a lot to share. And I'm really excited to read the book. I will you. email you when I when I get through it. I receive it and then when I when I get through it. And I'm really excited. I'm going to take it on my trip next week. So, Oh, good. Well, yeah. thank you so much for ordering it. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That was my interview with Shannon Evans. Now, if you want to reach out to Shannon, ask her any questions, read more of her stuff, buy her book, I'm going to let you know where you can do that. So there is a few options. All of these links, I'm going to post them over on Kin Podcast. So you can go to kinpodcast.com slash 23, and you'll find all the episode show notes with all the links that I'm about to share, because there's a lot. Ready? On Instagram, Shannon is Shannon K. Evans. And that is also her website, shannonkevans.com. You can also just search for her book on Amazon or all the other bookshops, bookstores. It's Embracing Weakness, and you can search Shannon Evans. And her blog is agreatparade.com. So you can also just check her out on Instagram and all the links are there. <laughs> You'll figure it out from there. And she posts amazing Instagram captions like I talked about earlier. So I really recommend hitting her up on Instagram. And that's shannonkevans.com. I hope you enjoyed this interview. It was a blast for me to record. Awesome to get to know Shannon and ask her all the questions. I know it was a lot, but it was a lot of awesomeness. So... Thank you for tuning in to episode 23 of the Kin Podcast. As always, I am so grateful for your time and your ears. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Really, really, I do. This is Marcela, your host, signing out.